way that God uses us, obviously with our actions, with who we are, we spread the gospel. But the, the, the talent of speech that God gives, and if you, you can read that chapter in Christ's Object Lessons where she talks about the talents. One of the talents God has given everyone, those who can speak, is speech, the ability to convey a message. And, um, you know, that's something that I, you can ask Kyle. I've been recently convicted about is preaching more. And I know that sounds intimidating, but when I was 15 and I was up there, I know I grew up with my dad being a pastor, but I didn't remember any of his sermons, you know. I really wasn't in that mindset. But I remember going up there and the first night having to give an appeal, and all I remember was, like, seeing my dad raise his Bible. And so I raised my Bible and I was like, how many of you want to decide to to take the Bible as your only rule of authority. You know, I hardly knew what I was talking about. But, I, you know, I just saw everyone's hands raised, and I was like, whoa, they're raising their hands. Like, this is awesome. And I kept my hand raised. I was like, keep your hands raised as we pray. You know, and we're praying, and and, and we, we, we end up, um, you know, and while we were praying, I remember opening my eyes and being like, their hands are still raised. Wow. You know, and it was just an incredible experience. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was so tired after every night. And, um, you know, I, I really honestly was the same as Kyle. I didn't like to speak. But when you can get over that fear of speaking, give your testimony at church, preach a sermon, you know, share in a worship, give a Bible study, when you can get yourself to that point where you can share, it is just so powerful. People are inspired by your, uh, your, cura- uh, your courage to share for God. Can I just share one other thing? Okay, this is really quick, but I just want to say that I have to say this. When you think of preaching... You often think of what? Profession. Pastors, right? Pastors preach. But do you know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church was not founded by pastors preaching? Did you know that William Miller, who was the first preacher of the soon coming of Christ, the 1844 message, remember? He was a farmer. He was a layman. Preaching is not just for pastors. Preaching is for lay people. So I just really want to leave you guys with that because I think God is calling all of us to stand up and speak for him. Joel 2 says, you know, that in the last days, even young children will speak for God. And so pray that God will open up those opportunities for you and, and he will bless you. Okay. Yes. Amen. Young and old. We had farmers. We had sea captains. These were not trained people. And it just, I keep remembering Pastor Bird's sermon. We can all do something, right? And maybe God's laying on your heart to consider preaching at your church, taking that step, taking the next step out there and uh, spreading the gospel. Um, I want to invite up my friend Shama Eller. And she is a wonderful person that um, is going to share in her life as a lay member. You know, she never went to a Bible college. She never went to, um, you know, any type of training school. She did canvassing, uh, which is a great training grounds. Um, But she has been able to continue to live a life of evangelism wherever she is, not being paid by the church, but continuing to to spread the gospel anywhere she is. So share with us. Hello, I'm Shama. And when I was in high school, I was like, what do I want to do in college? I don't know. I don't know. So I was praying about it. What does God want me to do? And so I was just like weighing out the different options. Like, what can I do that I can help people the most? And so God led me to choose nursing. So I went to Southern and I started nursing school. And there I was, you know, just living a Christian life. But then as soon as I 
finished my associate's degree, God opened up these doors. I never, I mean, I had done a little bit of canvassing in high school, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to go do a summer canvassing program. But then God totally like was like, hello, canvassing in the summer, right after I finished like my associate's degree in nursing. So all my classmates are going and getting nursing jobs. And I'm like, well, I guess God wants me to go canvassing. I was like, whatever, I've got the rest of my life to work as a nurse. So so I decided to go canvassing. I went canvassing that summer, powerful experience. And you just learn so much in a summer of canvassing. How many of you have canvassed for a summer? Oh my goodness, so many of you. Praise God. So you learn a lot of things, just like talking with people, connecting with people, and how to not be afraid to speak up and to share about Jesus. So I did that. Then I went back to Southern and was doing my bachelor's degree. And then after that, I got a nursing job and started working. But I realized something as I was working as a nurse, like I could have spiritual conversations with people and I would pray with my patients and I would encourage them. And you know what's great about scrubs? They have lots of pockets. You've got plenty of room for glow tracks. So I always had glow tracks in my pockets and incredible divine appointments at the hospital. When you have a patient for 12 hours, it's really a little sad how much they trust you. You're like, oh my goodness, they believe like everything I say. I could teach all sorts of false things to them. That'd be terrible. Um, (laughs) But it's also what, as as a Christian, like what a powerful opportunity to share the love of Jesus. So at the end of the day, I'd be like, hey, you know, I do offer prayer with my patients. Would that be okay? And they would get tears in their eyes. They'd be like, wow, no one's ever done that for me before. They would say, thank you so much. There was like one or two that said, oh, no, thank you. I'm like, okay, no problem. But most of them, they would get teary-eyed, and they would be so grateful. And then I would say also, oh, hey, you know, if you like to read here, which one would you like? And I would let them choose which glow track they wanted. And some of them would want all of them. Some of them would say, oh, no, thank you. Okay, no problem. I have nothing to push on them except why not offer them prayer. Something that I've found about people in the hospital is that they are more than physically sick. Most of them are very emotionally sick. And what there's actually a quote that I recently read that is like blew my mind. It's in My Life Today, the devotional, page 149. Listen to this. It says, sickness of the mind prevails everywhere. How much do you think... What, percent of people their sickness actually starts just from some like accident or something do you know that nine tenths of the diseases from which men suffer have their foundation in the mind nine tenths so that would be if i'm working in the hospital nine out of my 10 patients i hope i don't have 10 patients in one day um Nine out of my ten patients, their sickness starts in the mind. And I've seen that time and time again. I actually, um, through a series of events, ended up going and leading canvassing a couple summers and kind of going back, doing some nursing, going, doing canvassing, going back and doing a bunch of stuff. And now I have the privilege of working as a Bible worker in the Patterson Church plant, which you'll probably hear more about. 
And so I get to give Bible studies because that's what I found when I was working at the hospital in that uh, right after nursing school is like I know how to pray with them. I know how to have spiritual conversations with them, but I don't have the confidence to like make them my Bible study contact and share all the like Adventist doctrines. So I was praying like, God, how can I have this confidence? Because I feel like what's the point of helping someone get healthy just so they can die eternally? There's really no purpose. But if we can help them to have new life in Jesus, or if they do die, that they can die in Jesus and look forward to eternal life. So I, yeah, God totally took me through a series of events, which I won't share all of. But now I'm working as a Bible worker part-time with a church and doing nursing Mm part-time. And now when I have my patients, I'm like, hey, like, I could have a Bible study with them. Like one time in the room, someone was having a lot of pain, and I found out, like, wow, their pain is actually mostly emotional. It's not actually physical. So instead of just going, grabbing the pain medicine and coming back and just giving it to them and leaving, we start having this crazy conversation about how they had, like, family members, like, dying and sick family members and divorce and all this kind of stuff, and... I was able to share with them, do you know that Jesus is coming soon? And I start breaking down like Daniel 2 in the room and sharing like we're at the feet of time. And they were like, what? They were blown away. And then, of course, had my glow track, Intelligent Faith, right, with the Daniel 2 image in it to be able to share with them. And actually one really crazy experience, short one, that I'll share as I get close to my wrapping up time. Um, There was this patient, another patient who was really struggling and they were like anxious and they were frustrated. They were like annoyed and angry at everyone. Oh my, they can make your life miserable when they're miserable. And I was, I just put my hand on their shoulder and I said, you know, I do offer prayer for my patients. Could I pray with you? Their eyes got kind of big and they were like, yeah. So I prayed with them and afterwards they, their, their shoulders loosened up and they said, do you know, I think that was all that I really needed. So forget the anxiety medicine, the pain medicine. There's a time and a place for that. But this patient, all they needed was a prayer and to know that Jesus forgives their sins. Most people in the hospital, they have a burden of guilt on their shoulders and pain and heartache. And so what a privilege for me. The rest of that quote that I wanted to share with you guys says, sickness of the mind prevails everywhere. Nine-tenths of the diseases from which men suffer have their foundation here. Do you know what the most effectual remedy is? It says, the religion of Christ is one of its most effectual remedies, for it is a potent soother of the nerves. Heart disease, strokes, cancer, many and most of the diseases in the hospital are somehow related to emotional pain from childhood they have maybe they have addictions to food and diet and all that and so it just leads to all these diseases and what a powerful privilege it is once you know how to share the love of Jesus then to be able to share wherever you are whatever your workplace whatever your your sphere of influence whether it's school wherever it is what a blessing and a privilege that it is to be able to share the love of Jesus Amen. It's such a blessing to know that there are people out there who, you know, they're not working for the church, working for pay, but 
they have the love of God in their heart to share anywhere they are. And that's what we want to continue to encourage is thinking about what you can do in your sphere of influence. And I'm talking to young and old that are in here. You can do something. And um, even if it's just carrying glow tracks around, we could do a whole thing on just glow, you know. And I think that should be the bare minimum. So I really hope there is a glow booth out here, I think right out this door. I really hope you guys stock up on glow before you leave because that's a, a huge tool. Um, we're going to have Lisa come up here and share an experience and follow up with Shama's story. Uh, I work with Shama, and I told her she needs to write a book of all the experiences. We're roommates and uh, housemates, and she will come home, and she's very confidential, so she's good about that. But I told her, you could write a book. She actually, one of her patients ended up coming to our church, and she happened to also work with someone, a patient of hers, who was actually ended up being our neighbor, and we didn't realize it. Um, and, you know, I don't, I hope she doesn't really mind me saying this, but... Um, uh, one thing Shama told me is as a nurse or people in the medical profession have a tendency to think that it's acceptable, like I'm going to use that as my excuse to work on Sabbath. Do you know that a lot of times, not only Shama, but many other medical professionals will use the money if they have to work on the Sabbath, they'll give it back to the church. And I thought to myself, wow, what a commitment to really honoring God in everything that you're doing. And so anyways, I really have been inspired by by Shama's life and the way God has used her. Um, I was not raised in the Adventist church. How many of you were not raised Seventh-day Adventist? Okay, a few of you. How many of you were? Oh, what a blessing, my friends. Um, Either way. We are all Seventh-day Adventist, and maybe some of you aren't in this room, and I would encourage you to, to ask questions if you have them about the church. Uh, I'm going to let you know, I first heard about the church in 2009. I worked at In-N-Out Burger. All right, there you go. Okay, I was like, someone, someone say something. Okay, you can still eat an In-N-Out as an Adventist. Their potatoes are very healthy. They're fresh. Okay, we're going to stop there. Okay, I'm about to get into an In-N-Out testimony. So I came to the church in 2009. And I was really confused about this group of people uh, who thought that haystacks weren't nachos. They were just fake nachos. And in my mind, I thought to myself, well, I want to get to know uh, what they believe. I had be- started to kind of question and wonder things. So now I'm newly in the church, and I'm asking myself the question, how do I get involved? How many of you are really extrovert, outgoing, excited people? Yes, you are, Miss Candice. <laughs> but there's like four of you who raised your hand. So most of us, and believe it or not, I am not an extrovert. Like, I'm talking right now because there's been like 10 years of practice to get to this point. But I'm not naturally someone who wants to be like, ah, in the front. I like a book and alone and maybe one-on-one with a friend kind of things. But I go to the church and I have this, many of you have had that burden where you know God is calling you to share your faith. And the reason he calls you is because it it feeds you. It keeps you alive. And so I thought to myself, well, what can I do? So the first thing I did was I got the bulletin at church. How many of you get a bulletin when you go to church? Don't just be like, the bulletin, right? And don't read it during church. Read it after. Okay. So anyways, I look at the bulletin, and I realized that my church had a prayer meeting. And I thought to myself, like, prayer is one of the most awkward things for an introvert person. Because then everyone's like, and I always was like, I hope people say amen while I'm praying because it encouraged me to pray. (laughs) That's how much of an, I'd be like, they're like, amen. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. So here I am. And I said to myself, you know, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going back. I'm alone. None of my family's Adventist. Have you ever felt really like, okay, here I am trying to be a Christian. And I was not a 
nice, like, woo, good girl before I was a Christian. So here I am trying to live this new life. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. So I go to the prayer meeting, and I didn't pray. I didn't pray for a long time at those things. Or if I did, I would practice like two sentences ahead of time. Like, Father in heaven, bless you. So anyways, so most of the time I would just go to the prayer meeting. And I want to encourage you guys. The prayer meeting is where I realized the Holy Spirit, you have a 100% chance of beating with the Holy Spirit when you go to the prayer meeting, okay? So I would always be there at prayer meeting, and then I realized they have this Friday night Bible study thing. So I would go to the Friday night Bible study. Friends, eventually I was at the church every day of the week but Sunday, okay? I wasn't this person who knew much about the Bible, but I was submerging myself into the activities that the church had. Someone, a, re- a friend recently told me, well, my church doesn't do anything. I was like, what church do you go to? I got online. I was like, your church does things on Friday night. Your church does things on Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, no. Most of the time, the excuses we're making simply lie with the, the fact that our heart doesn't sometimes want the things of God, right? So I told myself, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. Went to prayer meeting, and then I made a commitment. And I want each of you in your hearts today to make a commitment to be devoted to your morning devotions, okay? Why is this important? They do not save you. Your devotions are filthy rags, right? But why do I have them then? Well, I woke up each morning and I realized one of two things is going to happen. My thoughts are going to enter my mind or the thoughts of God. So in the morning, I would open my Bible. And guess what, friends? For two years straight, I didn't get anything out of my morning devotions. I literally thought, oh my, like maybe three times in two years was I like, oh, like I felt like, you know, those, those moments we wish we had every morning. But the truth is I was learning what it was to just be in communion with someone that I don't maybe physically see. And over the past, I broke through these two years, and I'll tell you, my richest time is my morning and evening time that I spend with the Lord. This is something so important. So prayer meeting. Devotions to your, be devoted to your morning devotions. And then how much time do I have? I have like two seconds, right? So the other thing was this. My church had glow, right? I'm quiet. I know I don't seem quiet, but I'm very shy. But I grabbed some glow and there was this woman, this older woman. She was 78 years old. And she only spoke Portuguese and I only spoke English. And everyone thinks I should speak Spanish, but I don't. So we really had no communication as far as we would try and then half the time we did not know what the other person was saying but on sabbath i found out that she went on outreach every day even by herself with glow so i went with her this woman walked the pants off of me she could outwalk me with her glow and she would put glow on all the doors of the cars so i started myself i went into my neighborhood And I was like, oh, hopefully no one comes out of their door while I'm putting it on their door. That's mostly what I was praying. But I took my neighborhood, and there were four streets. And I started to pray, and I'd do a walk. I'd pray for the street. And then I'd gather my courage and just put glow on the door and then run. Run away as fast as I could. But I'll tell you something. The prayer meeting, getting involved, just being in a spiritual community will, will help your life. So don't neglect community. But guys... Community often doesn't find us. We have to find community, okay? So I searched and I prayed for good friends. I have some of the closest friends, three are in this room, of my closest friends that I prayed, God, give me good quality friendships. Pray that prayer, okay? So prayer meeting, be devoted to your morning devotions, 
take some globe, pray over your neighborhood streets, put it on the door, run away, I don't care. You don't have to talk to them right away. Um, even to this day, I'd rather knock on the door with a canvassing book than hand someone a glow track. I don't know why. For me, I get like all like, oh, the grocery lady, I'm like, you can read this on your lunch. And I like run away. Not a bad thing, friends. Just letting yourself be available. God will feed you so richly. My final thing is that after a while, I worked at In-N-Out Burger, right? Someone told me about the Lord there. Three other people came to the Lord at that In-N-Out. So four of us are all baptized in full-time ministry and serving the Lord. You don't know what God can do even through a really shy, introvert person who's not sure if the Lord can use them, but he can use each of you. Amen. Amen. And just so you know, the way that Lisa came to the church was one of her coworkers, while they were there, you know, um, flipping burgers, he was telling her, he was a Bible student, and he was telling her about the Bible, and they'd be having Bible studies while they were flipping burgers. Literally, anywhere you are, you know, the Holy Spirit can share with you who it is in your area, in your sphere of influence, who might be open. And, um, and that's how she's here today. It wasn't someone that was paid by the church. It wasn't a pastor or anything. It was just a church member, just like us. Again, any of us can do um, something for God. Uh, lastly, I want to bring up a few of my friends, um, Hazel and Heidi and Cash, and um, they all go to one of our Adventist colleges here in California. What, um, and by the way, if anyone was wondering why we're holding this, this is for audio verse, this is not an actual mic, um, but uh, so what, what Adventist college do you go to? Pacific Union College. Okay, anyone here has gone to Pacific Union College? Okay, okay, cool. A few people. So these three girls go to PUC. Um, now, so let me ask you, have you all canvassed? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay, all, th- all three of you canvassed. And um, when did you guys canvass? What year? Um, 2015. Okay. 2010 to a few years ago. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, nice. This year. Okay, so Cash's first time was this summer. Um, after you guys went canvassing, you wanted to do something at PUC. Um, tell us what that is and what led you to start this ministry. Um, so after canvassing, um, actually this ha- we started a canvassing club. And or we called it our Literature Evangelism Club. And for me, it actually started before the school year even began, um, during freshman orientation. Um, actually, what happened was, during freshman orientation, we were all divvied up, all the freshmen were, and I just happened to, my group just happened to be next to a group of other freshmen, and in it was Tony, our pre- who ended up being our LE Club president. And Tony's group leader was Tang, someone who I had canvassed in 2015 with. And Tang just happened to know Heidi. And he, <laughs> so we all got into connection or connected and we started talking about our passions, about canvassing, about mm. leader, um, about literature evangelism. And so we got connected. Okay. So really quick, one thing to get, get out of this at, at, at the outset is that wherever you're, wherever you are going in different schools, colleges, Look for the people that you have similar passions and interests with, especially those people that are on fire for God, because they're going to help as you come together, encourage you spiritually in your walk. Yes. All right. And so during this time when we were getting connected, we um, decided that we wanted to at least try to start up a club, a club that was also passionate about literature evangelism. And so what we needed was a sponsor. 
And it just so happened that around this time, one of the professors was housing canvassers from, from Korea, just randomly. Wow. And so we got connected with him, and he got us connected with another professor who had a burden on her heart for um, literature evangelism. And her husband just happened <laughs> to be a very, like, I, I believe he's the elder of a local church who got us um connected with a lot of um, glow pamphlets with other literature. Okay, so it just sounds like the way they started this club was they just prayed and they just sat there and everything <laughs> just kind of came together, right? No, they actually, you can see the combination of human effort and divine power, right? Exactly. You know, they were like, oh, well, we got to find a sponsor. So they start talking to people. They actually go out and, and a start asking, you know, who, who can be our sponsor? And then that person gets connected there. But you can also see how the Holy Spirit is working things and putting the, um, connecting the dots. Yes, and so I say that all these things just happened, but honestly, none of these things happen just by coincidence when it comes to doing God's work. And so, I mean, that was my experience of how the Canvassing Club came together. And then I share Heidi has something else to share. Yeah, actually, this is the first time I heard her side of the story. <laughs> um, for me, it was my second quarter at PUC, and um, yeah, God had led. Um, but there's, I started meeting all these random canvassers all over the place on campus, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, nobody knows each other. And... <laughs> You know, just spiritually, you know, praise the Lord for Adventist colleges, but it's just a different experience after you've gone canvassing. And I was, I wasn't even praying. I was just thinking to myself, it'd be nice if, you know, we could get something together. And then Tang comes up to me. He's like, hey, I know you've gone canvassing. Like, we're thinking about starting this club. Um, you could be the president or something. I'm like, ah, I don't think so, but I definitely want to help out. And so that was kind of like an answer to an unspoken prayer almost. Um, and it was what was really neat about this club was all of us, the, almost the only thing we had in common was our love for Jesus and canvassing. <laughs> and so our, during the rest of the, you know, when we weren't doing club activities, our friend groups were separate, or, which ma made for a really good thing because when we did do things, we could invite all of our friends, and mm -hmm. that would cover, you know, it wasn't just all of our friends are the same people, mm -hmm. you know. I had this group of friends I would always invite. Hazel had her group of friends she would always invite. And, yeah, it was really great. Wow. Okay, so they decided to start this camp scene club because they thought, you know, what can we do? This is something that we all have in common. So when you guys started off, what were some of the things that you were afraid of in starting this club or maybe some challenges that you were thinking of? Because, I don't know, did that kind of sound like an intimidating thing to do on a college campus, like start a club that has to do with canvassing, or even um, if you're on a public university or something, starting something like that? What were some of the fears you guys had? Um, well, for me, I had two, and they took place internally and externally. So internally, um, I'm a nursing major, and nursing is a very demanding um, mm. course to take. And so one of my fears was being able to sacrifice um, time um, to this ministry. And um, I just want to add in a plug, like, college has taught me that I need to learn how to prioritize. Mm. And when it comes to prioritizing, just by my own human energy, I can't accomplish everything that I want to do. So I'm going to need to learn how to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to make your priorities straight and prioritize God as first. Yeah. And then everything else will honestly fall into place. But prioritizing God and making sacrifices Amen. with everything else was the biggest 
um, hurdle that I had to hop for mm. this club. And then externally, of course, um, just having to convince people to want to come to what we had, um, like our Vespers, or even just outreach, like talking to people and convincing them and making them want to do what we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like Lisa, I'm a huge introvert. I score like 90% introvert on those <laughs> tests. And um, so for me, it was kind of like, yeah, I see the value of starting things, something like this, but I just I just don't want to be in charge. Um, it just stresses me out. And so the fact that Tony and Tang and Hazel were there and, you know, Tony, it, it, like the first time I met him, I'm like, wow, this kid, like his one mission mm-hmm. to come to PUC is to start this canvassing club. <laughs> and um, yeah, he wishes he could be here today. But um, so that was a huge answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Not even a, almost a prayer, not even a prayer that I had. Um, another fear I had was we planned, we wanted to do outreach like once a month. And um, I was like, oh, what if, like, honestly, I'm scared. You know, I'm a canvasser. I like handing people books and rattling off a canvas. I don't like handing people glow. How am I supposed to get other people excited about glowing? And actually, one time when I was feeling this way, Cash came up to me. She's like, I barely knew her. She's like, hey, share me your testimony. And she's like, I'm so excited for this outreach opportunity. And I was like, oh, someone is actually excited to come. This is great. That's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, when you're stepping out in faith and when you're doing things that God has convicted you of, you're going to have fears, you're going to have worries, you're going to have doubts. I mean, even to this day, from that sermon, I was thinking of things that I need to do when I get back to Maryland. And I all of a sudden started having fears and doubts and, you know, uncertainties. But as you can see, when you step out in faith, God will give you that faith. And he will also help you in all of those fears and, um, and all the things that you need to do to actually carry it out. So we need to wrap up here. But Cash is standing up here because they started doing these outreaches once a month. They started doing um, all the little groups. They would get together and do things throughout the year in the midst of their crazy schedule. And Cash actually ended up going canvassing this summer. Tell us why you went canvassing. I'm actually a result of all the efforts and the hard work. So first of all, I want to thank you guys. But um, it's just incredible the way God worked because it wasn't my intention to go canvassing. All I knew was that I loved God and I loved praying, but I had no actual personal ministry in going out and sharing the love that I had for God. So for a part of that was also, it was like a spiritual life that was kind of on fire, but was very rocky because there was no constant surrender. And because of that, I knew that there was something missing. And I wanted to work at a specific camp But doors were closed, and I praise God for those closed doors because now it opened more opportunities for me to be reached out to. Actually, Shama's boyfriend, AJ, is actually the one that came glowing, and I went door-to-door with him. And he was just, like, so profound to be around. It was incredible. I was just like, you know, I really don't know how to treat my friends that don't really think the same as me. And he was like, you know what? In Christ's object lessons, it says that Jesus looks at them the way they will be and not the way they are. And I was like... And, like, for the rest of that day, he just, like, said it, like, no, nonchalantly, like, it was anything. But that that quote literally changed my life. Wow. Like, I started reading that book. I started reading more Spirit of Prophecy. And just more and more every single day as the year went on, as Youth Rush went on, um, I began to become converted every day to truly not just surrender, like, my will to him, not just my daily decision to him, but the big decisions as well. So I'm going to souls now. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Cash is there, just, you know, a regular student at PC, and she got involved in this, that it was student-led, 
and initiated, and now she's committing her life to this uh, training at Souls. You know, these, these girls, Hazel never went to Souls, but she was still decided that wherever she was, she was going to be used by God. And how old are you guys? What, like 19, 20, 18, 19? 24. Um, you know, God can use anyone. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Amen. Praise the Lord for, um, you know, just being willing to take initiative. And we share this because we want to encourage every single one of you guys, whatever context you're in, God has something for you. We hope that you've been able to get a little bit uh, more, uh, a few practical resources from here. And um, we are, you know, any of us that spoke, Kyle, myself, Shama, Lisa, uh, many of your leaders, you know, use us while you're here this weekend. Talk to us. Come talk to us and ask us questions about what your specific situation is and what you can do because we'd love to help you. Um, but I want to go wherever I am. I want to be a witness for God. How about you? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's pray and close out. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, um, because we live in such a time where we have many resources in our church. And we live in a time when there are so many opportunities to share. People are broken. And yet, Lord, the only thing that's hindering is just our willingness. It's our willingness to do something, to look around and see the need and meet that need. And I just pray, God, every single one here that's been in the seminar, you know that deep down in their hearts, they want to do something for you. And so I pray that throughout this weekend, you would show them that specific person you want them to reach out to or that specific way that they can be a witness for you in their workplace, at school, in their family, wherever they are. And I just pray, God, that when they leave here, they would leave more equipped and more on fire to spread the gospel in their area and in this generation. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that we can share this last seminar. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would expand our minds to see what can happen in our churches, in our communities, when we have total member involvement. And help us to realize that this is um, a worldwide thing, that um, people are catching the vision all over the world. And Lord, we just want to be a small part of it. And so we just pray that you would bless us in our time together this last seminar. In your name, amen. amen. So we want to show you a video to start off here, um, which was actually taken last October. Um, we had a... Uh, a group of Souls West uh, and other canvassers, other Bible colleges, SALT um, students come together to the general conference last October. How many of you know what something called uh, annual council is? Does that ring a bell to anyone? Okay, so what annual council is, is that all the world church leaders, you have the, the conference presidents, the union presidents, the division presidents. So for those of you that are not familiar... The church is divided up into its different sections. You have all your local churches that are under one conference and all these different conferences that are under one union, like we're in the Pacific Union and in Southeastern California Conference right now. Um, and then all the unions are divided up divisions. Obviously, we're North American division. So all of these leaders from the conference, union, division, and world church, so the people in Southeast Asia and you know, in Africa and all these places, those leaders came together of the World Church and they come together twice a year in the spring and the fall. And it was during this fall council that we all came. And as the leaders of the church, they wanted to be an example. They wanted to be an example of total member involvement. 
So they had all of these students come out and help lead out in a huge GLOW outreach to model total member involvement as the leaders of the church. How many of you are happy that we have leaders that want to model that, right? Um, and so we all went out with them. This is a video about that and about total member involvement. Um, and you'll be hearing from some of our leaders and what their vision is uh, for this initiative. We didn't explain uh, that clearly at the beginning, um, really what this initiative is about. This is actually an initiative of the General Conference. And um, it's an initiative that uh, seeks to get people, church members, lay people involved in evangelism with the paid people of the church, like the pastors. And what they've been doing are, are, is huge evangelistic series, like we talked about in Rwanda, where they had 2,000 plus sites, and they had now over 100,000 baptisms in the span of a few months. So things like this, where we're all coming together in a huge united effort to do evangelism. And um, my dream, I, I hope that we do something like that in America. Um, we've had things like that in the past, and I hope we can do that more. Um, but this, this will help, under, help you understand a little bit more about total member involvement. Sorry that the sound was low and that it's in black and white. It's actually in color. <laughs> um, but um, it's powerful, powerful uh, video, amen? amen, of what total member involvement um, can do uh, in, in, uh, when, we're all, when we all decide to be involved. So um, something that I really wanted to emphasize from that is just... Um, being able to uh, to see that anywhere you go, there are going to be opportunities. As you saw there, Aiden was talking about uh, randomly. They just made themselves available, and God really came through. Uh, something that's been on my heart a lot is, um, you know, growing up in this church, like I said, and being involved in ministry doesn't mean that you're always completely 100% on fire and always believing that Jesus is coming soon. And that it's like, you know, you're, you're just always like, you know, so incredibly on fire. And I've been having some of these thoughts in the last few years where the, you know, the devil will kind of put doubts in my mind. And I'm just being honest. And this has probably happened to some of you where I'll have this kind of seed of doubt of wonder, you know, man, we've kind of just been here for so long. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I never thought we'd even get to college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought Jesus would come soon and, you know, he didn't. And, you know, they don't mean it in a way to discourage you. But you kind of think, wow, if they thought they wouldn't get to college or they wouldn't even have kids and Jesus still didn't come, like maybe, I mean, I wonder if I'm going to be like that too. I wonder if I'm giving all of my heart to this and I'm putting all the sacrifice into it and that at the end of the day, I'm just going to go to my grave and nothing, Jesus will not have come. And, you know, either way, whether I sleep or whether I live and see Jesus come, it's still going to happen. But sometimes there's that little bit of seed of doubt. Um, and, and I've kind of struggled with this. And um, just to kind of set the stage for what we're talking about, I wanted to share sort of the, the line of thought that God brought me through to help me realize that this is still possible in our generation. I really believe it is. You know, um, what we want to see is Jesus come soon, but sometimes it seems like it's so far off. It's kind of nebulous. When you look at the great controversy, when you look at the, the fall of Adam and Eve all the way to we, where we are today, you see the plan of salvation unfolding. 
You see the world getting wicked and then Jesus coming in and dying and he, you know, he was resurrected and he ascended. And, and then you see the early church and they were so just on fire for God. They loved Jesus. They had been with him everywhere. They had, uh, you know, experienced him. They had seen his miracles. They had just experienced all his power. And when he ascended, they missed him. They spent time in prayer in the upper room. They were pleading and praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. They were putting aside their differences. You know, they were trying to figure out how can we spread the gospel just like Jesus commissioned us to do. And you read that account and read what Ellen White says in the Bible. And she talks about how they spread the gospel. And Paul says that they spread the gospel to every creature. In that generation, people knew about the gospel. And you might kind of wonder, well, then why didn't Jesus come? So why didn't Jesus come? In the issue of the great controversy, there are certain things that needed to happen, right? There are certain time prophecies that were not fulfilled yet. You realize that, right? So why didn't Jesus come? Well, there were still other, the Pentecost obviously happened. You know, they needed to um, come to the time when the papacy would rise in power, the, the dark ages, all of those things. You know, in 1844, that was a time prophecy. Um, in the book of Daniel that needed to be fulfilled. All of those things needed to be fulfilled because in the issue of the great controversy, this is all about Christ's character being revealed to the utmost. And there are certain things that needed to happen. In God's wisdom, he saw that in order for people to have complete freedom of choice and to choose God completely out of their hearts, they needed, and all of the universe, the angels, not just us, needed to be able to clearly see the difference between Satan and Christ. So all of these things needed to happen. You understand that? Jesus couldn't have come during those times yet because all of those things needed to happen. So then you get to 1844. And in that time, uh, the, the early church during that time, uh, uh, the Adventist church was starting to spring up. And in, in the 1860s, they formed together and they were, you know, seeing all these prophecies and realizing um, after the great disappointment, one thing. And that is that all the time prophecies had been fulfilled. There were no other prophecies left of like, this still needs to happen before Jesus comes. Mm -hmm. And so they were working, they were preaching, they were converting people. And we know in the spirit of prophecy that Jesus wanted to come in 1888. But there was a message of the righteousness of Christ that was not accepted. and, And that was the major thing during that time that was not accepted by the church as a whole. And it prevented, um, one of the things that prevented Jesus from coming. So when I look back on that timeline, that, that short synopsis of the timeline of history, and I realize, no, 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 it hasn't just been thousands of years that we've been sitting here waiting. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been hundreds of years that we've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Really, Jesus wanted to come in 1888. If this gives you any solace like it gives to me, that wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Jesus wanted to come during that time, and he could have. And I believe that as we continue to study our Bibles and we read Spirit of Prophecy and we preach and we preach Christ's righteousness. We understand what that means in our own lives personally as we receive the Holy Spirit again in the latter reign. And Ellen White says it's going to be more powerful than the early reign. We're going to experience greater things than the early church experienced. I believe that Jesus can come in our generation. I know that there might have been people in your life that wondered for many, many years, why hasn't Jesus come? Don't let that discourage you. Jesus can come in your generation. 
And whether or not he does, we need to stay faithful to him. But there's something about really believing that it's possible Mm -hmm. that makes us want to give everything Mm -hmm. in our lifetime. I think of Vera, who passed away, and I realized that she fought the good fight and she finished the race and she kept the faith all the way to the very end. I want to have that testimony, too, that at the end of my life, I gave everything. I don't want to go to heaven and think, man, if only I had just made this decision so that I could give more time to God's work. If only I could have just done this and reached out to this person. And I'm sure some of that will happen. You know, we're sinful human beings. But I want to lessen that as much as possible. And I want to be able to say, I just gave it all for the kingdom of God just to be used by the Holy Spirit so that souls could be in the kingdom. And a lot of that comes with just the realization that Jesus can come in your lifetime. Jesus can come soon. And you can be a huge part of it. And so what is it that's going to bring the second coming? The only thing that needs to happen before that is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The latter rain is what we're waiting for. And we see it all around the world today. And if we had time, we would show you more videos of things that have been happening around the world where hundreds of thousands of people are being baptized. But I really long for the day when we see it here in our home country and in other places where it's more, uh, we're more tempted to um, feel our, our, and to not feel our need of God because we are uh, more wealthy. I believe that God wants to do it here. In um, Gospel Workers, uh, it talks about the spiritual oversight of the church, those who have spiritual oversight of the church, that they should devise ways and means by which an opportunity may be given to every member of the church. How many members? every member to act some part in God's work. Too often in the past, this has not been done. Plans have not been clearly laid out. The leaders in God's cause as wise generals are to lay plans for advance moves along all, all along the line, and they're planning there to give special study to the work that can be done by the laity for their friends and neighbors. We just want to paint this picture for you that when we all get involved, every single one of us, that is God's plan A. That is how the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And I didn't get a chance to put it up here, but there's a powerful quote that, um, that maybe we'll share in a little bit um, where Ellen White talks about that the Holy Spirit will not be poured out until the largest portion of our church is laborers together with God, until they are laborers together with God. Um, and that is a, that's a challenge to me. Is that a challenge to you? Until the largest portion of the church are labors together with God, the Holy Spirit can't be poured out. Does anyone know why that is? Why, why would the Holy Spirit not be poured out until the largest portion of the church are not members? Like, why doesn't God just pour out the Holy Spirit so that we can be involved, right? So that we can get on fire and see Jesus come. The purpose of the Holy Spirit being poured out is to give power to the loud cry. It's to give power to the loud cry. And the Holy Spirit will only be poured out when people are actually giving the loud cry Mm. so that he can come and give power to the loud cry. Mm. I used to think that the Spirit of God being poured out was like this moment when you just be like walking down the street and, you know, just living your life, going to In-N-Out, you know, doing it. And all of a sudden it's like, like, wow, the Spirit was just poured out. I all of a sudden love souls. 
I would die for them. I want to be part of ministry. I want to sacrifice. I want to go to the mission field. I want to be a canvasser. I want to, you know, tell, I want to convert my friends and family. I want to spend hours in prayer. And all of a sudden, it's just this, like, magical thing. That's not the case. The, the, the disciples in the upper room were there praying and preparing their hearts for the Holy Spirit. They were preparing their hearts, putting away their differences. They were experiencing Jesus as they had that personal relationship with him. They were meditating on his life and how he would have lived. You know, it's not a magical experience, though, the latter rain. Ellen White, and you study out the latter rain, she talks about that some people, the latter rain will be poured out and some people won't even realize it. Can you imagine that? I hope that's not me. The Holy Spirit is being poured out all around them, but they don't recognize it because they're not in tune with the Spirit of God is trying to do. Now is the time to see what opportunities are out there. Now is the time, like we said in our first seminar, to be connected with God, to be close to him and to be filled with his spirit so that he can continue to use us and use us to bring about the end through his spirit, not through us. And so um, I just... We believe, Heidi and I, and many of us in here, really believe that we can see the largest portion of our church get activated and involved. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things that um, we're going to share, testimonies that we're going to share that will help illustrate what that might kind of look like. Um, I'll begin, um, before I invite Lisa up here, um, just to share um, a testimony of something that happened a few years ago. In our conference in Central California, we had a couple churches that, you know, hadn't done much evangelism in many years. And I don't know if you're part of a church like that, but when I say that, I mean like evangelistic series and public meetings. And um, the church in general, some of these churches are just not like that warm and friendly. Have you ever been to a church like that? Mm-hmm. I've been to churches because I travel around Central California where I walk in and like no one is greeting me and no one's saying hi. I'm like introducing myself to people and they're like, oh, are you part of this church? I'm like, no. But, you know, I just I need to say hi to people because it's Sabbath. I'm a happy Christian. And so anyway, um, you know, there are some churches where you go in and you're just like, you know, you don't feel that. But it's incredible what will happen when you have people in that church start to really become involved in evangelism. All of a sudden, a lot of the bickering kind of ceases a little bit more. All of a sudden, people are more warm and friendly. And um, I should actually have um, my friend share this here is. Um, it was his church, as a church in Madera, California. And really quickly, um, between uh, in those four years, they had two Bible workers that went in there. And their whole thrust, the, everything they talked about there was getting church members involved in evangelism and ministry and taking them out on Bible studies, doing different things like that. And it was incredible. At one point, they started having these weekly meetings um, called Fishers of Men 101 where people would come together and they would teach them how to give Bible studies. And they did something called Spiritual Friends, where they teach them how to be like a friendly church member. And so we would actually take church members and we'd line them up. We'd go into the church foyer and we'd line people up, um, one line at the, at the door and another line, you know, in the foyer, and we'd practice. So one line of the church members would like practice being the, the visitor that's coming into church. And the church member would go up to them and shake their hand and say, hi, I haven't met you. What's your name? Jim, Jim, it's nice to meet you. Have you ever been here before? Oh, wow, do you have anyone to sit with? Come sit with me. And we would encourage them afterwards to invite them to potluck afterwards. And so we would do things like that over these four years, and it was incredible. Um, You started to see this church change. The culture started to change. 
more people started being more friendly. And at one point when one of the Bible workers was there, he told me that, um, you know, visitors would come and you'd have a flock of church members like running out to see who could get them first and, and greet them, you know. And I would want to stay in a church like that, you know, where people are just flooding me when I walk through the doors just with love. And it was incredible to see the change that happened there where people like Bonnie were, would go up front to the church. She had never given a Bible study in 70 years being Avenist. And she would go up front and she would take the mic and she would be like, you guys need to be involved in Bible studies. You need to go to FM 101, find a Bible study contact. I baptized two people this year. Next year, I'm baptizing four. You know, and she's just this lady that just all of a sudden got on fire. And being able to see a church change, it's possible to see a church change their culture and all get involved together. And it's incredible to see what can happen. Um, I want to invite Lisa Manzanares up here. And she is a church plant leader. She helped um, start this church in Patterson. And she's going to share some of the things um, that have happened there um, that have made a really big difference. Okay. So when I, uh, a lot of you who are in the second session kind of heard my more personal story about how I ended up in the church. And when I came to the church, it was in, I was raised in a Pentecostal church and I went into a largely Caucasian church where most of their hair was white or not there. So it was an older church. And they were the most loving people. Their food was very bland to me. There was things that were very strange, but they were so welcoming and loving that it worked. But there was one person who told me something as a new Christian. They said, Lisa, your fire will eventually die. And I was like, ouch. Like, okay, what does life look like? Um, that kind of motivates me. So I was like, okay, where do I go from here? Long story short, through a series of events, I ended up doing a summer of canvassing with Youth Rush. And shortly thereafter, I went to Souls West. And then after Souls West, I became a Bible worker at the Series Church. You know Anil Kanda? I worked with Pastor Neil for, I don't know, three and a half years, three years. Um, and during those three years, uh, I had started the series church. And <laughs> we went into the church in this FM 101 class that the Lord really used AJ to help bring together. Uh, we were at the series church. I was meeting with Pastor Nell, and he says to me, Lisa, we need to hold an FM 101. And, and I want to know how you're going to get people and signed up for this. And I was like... First of all, again, friends, I'm not an extrovert person. So, like, I now have to go up to church members and be like, do you want to come to my Bible study class? I just learned how to give them myself. Right? I didn't tell them that. But I would, I realized, Lord, what do you want me to do? So the night before, friends, there's something about the best, some of the best advice I got was from uh, Sister Janet Page. She told me, Lisa, all of my good ideas come when I'm on my knees. And so I was like, the night before, I'm on my knees, and I'm like, how do I get people to sign up for this FM 101 class? And as I'm on my knees, the thought comes to me, you have an announcement section in the, at the church. I want you to go up there and basically get appeal music going. Can you imagine during announcements? Get appeal music going and make an appeal for people to stand up for the class. And I was like, no. So I called Anil. <laughs> I know you'd think I would be so willing. Ah, the Lord is good. So I called Pastor Neil and I said, Pastor Neil, I need you to make an appeal to <laughs> the church to do FM 101 while someone plays the piano during announcements. And he was like, that sounds like something you should be doing. And I was like, oh. So I go up during announcements and I thought, 
on a, like a paper I could write the names. So I wasn't really that prepared thinking like how many people are going to stand up for this, right? So I'm like, oh, Sister Went, can you play the piano? And then I start launching into this appeal about how many of you have a relative that isn't where you wish they would be and you can't imagine heaven without them. And a few people start raising their hands. I'm like, my sister, I refuse to go to heaven without my sister. So the Lord knows I'm imploring him for my sister's salvation. And people start raising their hand. And then I'm like, well, you can do something about it. And then friends, people slowly started standing up. I'll tell you, in the course of nine months, 55 people went through the FM 101 class where they learned how to give Bible studies. I didn't make an appeal like that every single time. (laughs) That was the first and last one. But the point was, after that, I could go and talk with the people. But more than methods, friends, it's relationship. And I know you've heard this before, but it really comes down to, do we actually, actually really care about someone's eternal salvation? And I had watched a video by this atheist man, and he said, if you genuinely believe in what you say you believe, imagine that a diesel truck is coming at someone. Are you just going to stand there and let the truck hit them, or what are you going to do? I was like, someone react. Yes, thank you, Shama. You're going to scream. You're going to yell. You're going to do all you can to save their life. Well, how much more their eternal life, friends? Think of someone genuinely right now that you can't imagine heaven without them. And then get on your knees and say, Lord, how can you use me? Because, friends, he wants to use you. It's not the person next to you. We fast forward, and I'm sharing a testimony about how total member involvement is so incredible. Pastor Neil calls me into his office. Pastor Neil, uh, the joke is that I'm the female version of him. And we sometimes were like sandpaper on each other's eyeballs. And we ended up having this conversation one day where I said, Pastor Neil... Um, I, I don't like that you're always telling me to do this and this and this. And the reality is I found a pastor who actually mentored me to know how to go out. So each of you should be saying, Lord, who is someone who could help me if I'm not going to go to a Bible college? But who is someone who can teach me how to maneuver through kind of getting involved even after I leave iShare? I don't, it doesn't matter your age. So one day he calls me into his office. I've kind of Stop being so stubborn against doing things. And he says, Lisa, the Lord has laid it on my heart to plant a church. I said, that's great. And he said, yeah, I want you to go to the city of Houston and ask the pastors over there if we can use their churches on Saturday. And I was like, like, just go. (laughs) He's like, yeah, just go. And so we went and all the doors were closed there. And I thought to myself, all of these members who were trained to do Bible studies, how could we use them to help plant this church? So we started to pray in the Lord. Friends, sometime, they actually have made a few little videos on it. You have to hear the story of this, this church plant and how it came together. Uh, Shama, you guys saw her, raise your hand. She works with me. She didn't raise her hand. But she works with me at this church plant. And we were, we, me and Pastor Nell went into Houston, all the doors shut. But one day we realized we need to go to Patterson. It's an area where there's virtually no members, no Seventh-day Adventist church for about 35 minutes or so for a population of over 40,000 people. It's a black zone is what they call it in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So I went from In-N-Out Burger to the local church and passing out glow tracks, being scared and praying over my neighborhood to doing a summer of youth rush where I was forced to talk to people and have a conversation. Renella 
knows me from the time Heidi I met Heidi in 2000 I was I was so shy and not really caring to speak to people and and the the crazy thing is you you realize just saying God I'm willing to let you use my life the slow steps that he takes you on I look back and I'm like who is that girl? Because that girl today has been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's it alone. So fast forward. I, this is exciting. So we get into this town called Patterson. And all the doors of the nine churches I visited in this other town where we thought we should plant this church were shut. We go into Patterson, and within a few days, we go on a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, to go meet with a pastor there to use his church. And he tells us, no, we're full. Other churches rent from us. But he goes, go down the road to the senior center and see if you can't use that on Saturdays. And me and Pastor Neil are like, yeah, let's invite a bunch of young people to the senior center. Like, that sounds exciting. So on the drive to the senior center, we said, Lord, we don't know. Let's check it out. On the drive to the senior center, we see a Lutheran church off to the right. And we said to ourselves, well, like, why not? Let's just stop. On a Tuesday afternoon, we knock on the door of the Lutheran church and the pastor opens it. And he looks at us and says, I was just about to leave. How many of you know what that means? Oh, divine, divine appointment, right? So Pastor Nolan, one blurt, tells him what we're doing. And then he looks at us and he said, you know, I used to rent from an Adventist church when I was starting a Lutheran church one time. And we look at him and we're like, well. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm about the ministry you guys can use our church for whatever you want to donate each month. Whoa. Within two weeks, we were signing a little contract with a fair amount of how much we would give each month. And so from going from in and out to what was next, the local, just working in the local church, to doing Youth Rush, to going to Souls, to doing Bible work in series, to now the Lord led me to help plant a church. And I'll tell you, ministry can be difficult. Most times, whether you are in full-time ministry or simply a going to do your best for the Lord, friends, you're dealing with eternal realities. If you feel a little distraught or stressed out sometimes, like you're usually on the straight and narrow. And so most times I would be on my knees like God in heaven. I remember praying when the church plant was starting. I was like, if anything happens here, anything, because at this point we started with a core of 55 people and it dwindled down to six. And I said, Lord, if anything happens at this church, if this church even grows one bit, it's not because of anything we did. First thing we did was prayer meeting. I can't stress it enough, friends. Get involved in your church's prayer meeting. We are told through council the prayer meeting is the pulse of the church, and it actually gauges the spirituality of a church. If you're ever going to go work at a church, go to their prayer meeting. You'll know exactly the condition that the church is in. And we look at our churches now, and, and Patterson, with the start of six, and then more people came, and people kept coming and leaving. and come. Do you know how emotionally draining that is? And, like, they want to help, they don't. They want to help, they don't. They want to help, they don't. Friends, if you want to be a blessing to your church, be consistent. Yes. You don't even have to do all the crazy things. Just steady. Show up. Say, I'm willing to be used. How can, how can I help you? I have a, now a friend who joined the church. Uh, she started doing Bible studies with me. Her name is Jean. She's now our outreach coordinator. Her husband is the head deacon. They had no Adventist background. This church now has a core of over 35 people from the community alone. There are more who come who support the church, but that church is growing so quickly. And do you know, friends, from day one, this church was self-supporting financially? Wow. That's the Lord. Amen. 
They looked at the tithe report. They said, Lisa, we got your tithe report in. You actually have less members than last year. I was like, ooh, because again, people would come and go and come and go. But our tithe was doubled. That shows you consistency in the members. Mm -hmm. You see, we have so many miracle stories where the city started helping us in paying for our health events, where they've given thousands of dollars for our church to be able to do health expos inside of Walmart, not outside, inside Walmart. We're doing different cooking schools where we have a lady who just, Ellen, she just attended a Friday night Bible study and now is going to church. Someone who did health coaching, who is now meeting with another church member and is excited about studying the Bible. Friends, God can do so many things. I'm not up here to say that. I mean, really, I'm like the most normal, normal of normal people. Like, really, it's nothing extraordinary about anything I have done, but really just seeing the power of God when you're on your knees. I, I think the challenge for you guys is, is like, where, where will you be in five years? Will you be the same that you are sitting right now in your chair, sort of on fire for God, maybe not really at all? Or will he have used you? Will you look back and say, Lord, wow, you actually helped me lead someone to Christ? Because he can do it. You're going to go to heaven, and you're going to see all these little shiny, glittery stars on your crown and realize that God used you to impact somebody's life. That this, my friends, is life. We have a lady who studied Hindu. She went from a, no, she was Sikh, I'm sorry. And she just recently got baptized. We studied for two and a half years, though. Friends, stick it out. If there's anything we can say for you, total member involvement means simply being totally involved as a member. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Just giving your heart completely and saying, I don't have to do all these dramatic things. I maybe don't even, I have a, a lady who, you know what? She came to the prayer meeting. And she's still to this day one of our most consistent members. Go to prayer meeting. Those are the people who want to see God do something. This lady was so shy. And when she saw me, I actually, I was like, oh, she kind of made a mean face at me. And I'm kind of like all like, oh, I don't want to offend people. And she looked like I offended her or something. But we hadn't even met. That was me. So as we talked, I realized she's just really shy like me. And we ended up going and becoming friends. And this woman, Terry, now, oh, my. She tells children's story up front. She's like, Ooh, just the woman of potluck. Let me tell you, she cooks great. And so the bottom line is this, friends. From in and out to now, yes, I, I, I have been uh, working in the Central California Conference as a church plant leader for the last few years and not necessarily sure where God will lead me next, but I can know this, that when you give your heart completely to God as just one single person, Ellen White gives us this beautiful quote where you can move thousands. And if there's two where the church is united, thousands upon thousands will be moved by your influence. I think that's it. The bottom line, our job isn't to convert or to convict people. What? It's not to convert or convict people. In fact, our job is simply to show them that they have a choice other than the life they're living, that Jesus is the other choice. And I just present the choice to them. If they take it, hallelujah. But if they don't, at least I gave them the opportunity. Are you giving everyone in your sphere of influence the opportunity they deserve to have because of the blood that Jesus shed for them and for you? Because without that, friends, we wouldn't have had a choice. But because of the blood that Jesus shed, you get to choose whether you'll follow him or not. So think about it. In five years, where will I truly be from this moment and on? Can we say amen? Amen. Powerful testimony as we wrap up. I, I know that is our prayer. How many of us want to say, yes, I want to be a totally involved member? I, I know I do. And...
as you think about it, maybe you're not planning a church. Maybe you're just at your home church and you're thinking, what can I do? Uh, There's a lady at our home church. Her name is Esther. She single-handedly began a community service when there was nothing going on before. And because of that, several people have been baptized and over 20 to 25 families are served every week just because she said, I want to do something. And she's the same woman that comes to me every Sabbath that I go there and saying, I want to do something more. That's what she tells me. I want to do something more. And when I look at Esther, I say, that's just another example of a totally involved member. Um, there's another, another uh, man who's a physical therapist, and he's choosing to be a totally involved member. Uh, he has had Bible studies here recently um, with four people, patients, and people that are his employees. And one of them got baptized now. He's working with one, and he's studying with his patients. I know that's just one way that he's being totally involved. And I pray that each of you are thinking about those things. Where are you? Like Lisa said, what is your sphere of influence? Who are the people that God has put you in their path and in their life? That's, that's where God wants you to be involved. I, I love the idea of going and doing crazy mission trips everywhere else. I think that's great. But I think God has called us to the ministry of presence, of being in one place and ministering consistently um, to see God do work. And I don't know if any of you read the rest of the quote that Renella put up on the screen, but I wanted to highlight this last sentence. It says, The work of God in this earth can never be finished until the men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and church officers. And when I think about the fact that it can never be finished until we all rally together, it fills my heart with a desire to rally together and do this together, to all pull in the same direction of heaven and of leading others there. And so as we close, I'd like you to just turn to someone around you. I I just want to have a short prayer session for America, for North America, that God will really use us to be catalysts of change in our own churches Um, that God will help you. Number one, I don't want you to think about everyone in your church. I just want you to think about you right now. Lord, am I a totally involved member? Is there something more that you want me to do? And then the second question, if you feel like you can answer that saying, yes, I'm doing everything I could possibly do. Then second question would be, Lord, how can I help my friends around me to also be totally involved in ministry? What can I do to inspire? So let's take just a few minutes and then I'll close out with with a closing prayer. But please turn to someone next to you and let's pray that God will help us to rally together to finish the work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just are so grateful um, for the testimonies that have been shared. We're thankful for the, the way that you transform our hearts. And God, I just think of those quotes that we read earlier in the first session about um, just <laughs> what happens when someone comes in contact with you and and the need for the love of Christ in the heart. And God, we just pray that you would help us to be consistent uh, with our walk with you, uh, with spending time with you, and, and really allowing that relationship with you to be just overflowing into the lives of those around us. God, we pray that um, each and every one in this room, Lord, that you use us as an army, that we would truly be totally involved members And that even just by our simple example and our life of loving you and loving others and 
and serving in every way that we possibly can. Lord, we pray that that example would ignite a flame in our friends around us, in our churches, and in North America, Lord, and around the world. God, we, we do pray that you would come. We desire to see you come in the clouds of glory. Lord, we would love to see you face to face. And so we pray that you'd help us as we work to this end. Um, Lord, as your latter rain is poured out, Lord, that we would all be a part of that movement. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer, for we pray it in the all-powerful name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.